Hey everybody in Serial Killer Country, my name is Brittany Ransom. And my name is Brian Joyner. And this is When Killers Get Caught, a podcast devoted to deep dives into the lives and psyches of the killers we love to learn about. Each week, Brian and I find a true crime story that resonated with us. Then I will discuss one well-known or lesser-known killer, go into their childhood lives, methodology, and most importantly, how they got caught. And then we'll get a little spooky and learn something about cryptids or the supernatural from Brian. And... I know some of you will be, I don't know, halfway sad, halfway happy. I got a couple of emails about people asking to be the new co-host, but... But I'm back. Yeah, sorry, you won't be needed. Uh, After I put that up last week, Brian let me know that he was ready to come back. So, all is well. I'm sorry, I didn't... I I, I told you, like, right before I listened to the podcast... And I was like, oh, well, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was just trying to prepare for the worst. I was like, do you need me? To I can take another week off if you want. I can, it's not a problem. No, no. <clears throat> uh, as anyone who listened can tell, uh, when I don't have someone to talk to, I go pretty fast. So <laughs> that was 30 minutes. <laughs> well, we can make this one. We can stretch this out. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And so, this week in true crime, I was informed by one of our listeners to this podcast, and he also comments a lot on our TikTok and the live streams. You've seen him. Who dat? Yes, who dat? dat? Uh, An update, I guess, sort of to uh, Amy Bishop's saga. You remember Amy? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. The uh, murderous academic who's currently still in prison and you remember that she had a brother mm-hmm. who was named seth and the one that she, she had, shot seth the one that she had you know accidentally killed yes right when she was 18 yeah well when he was 18 well what who let me know was uh at the end of may uh amy's son who is also named seth named oh, right, after right, 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 yeah. yeah named after her brother which she told nobody about uh, until much later, yeah, uh, Amy's son died. Oh. He was murdered. He was shot. Was it by Amy? No. Okay. By another one of his friends. As far as the police are saying, is that they're calling it a shooting incident. And that it seems like it wasn't like someone was trying to hurt him, but that they might have been doing something reckless with a weapon. And that the 18-year-old who was charged with shooting him... uh. It says he was aware his actions could cause significant risk or bodily harm to other people. Uh, they haven't gone into too much details, uh, but uh, this, this sounds familiar. I know because this Seth was twenty. Okay, so he's older than Amy's brother when he died. Not by much, though. Yeah, two years, but still, it's almost like uh, apparently uh, the name's cursed. You're cursed. If your name is Seth Bishop, yeah, <laughs> or I, in this case, his name was Seth Bishop, Bishop Anderson. Well, I feel for that you. is a cursed name. Yeah. I feel bad for them too. Yes, they gave it. It just updates. Amy's still, you know, in prison. She's fifty six now, mm. and uh, that's just a bummer. Yeah, that's pretty sad. Yeah. So, uh, I was pretty surprised. I was like, "Wow!" Of all the irony of ironies, you'd think. Maybe you'd stay away from guns after what happened to your mom, but you never know. 
because he's 20 now and that happened in 2010 so he was ref- he was only nine years old oh. when she got put in prison yeah true true so he's been predominantly raised by his mom um but yeah that's that was the i was really surprised i was like what i haven't given too much uh more information about it um yeah it, it, like you said it's like history repeating itself mm-hmm. um Definitely. Very- I mean, this is at this point, this family had, this is a third generation of gun violence in this family. Yeah. First the brother, then mom, like 20 years later, and now the son, 10 years later. It's crazy. Oh, goodness. Yeah, stay away from the name, Seth, and try to stay away from guns. <laughs> One of my friends <laughs> who I play with every week. <laughs> D or any of our tabletop games his name is seth but seth is seth is a sweetheart okay well, we call him our aggie boy <laughs> as we call him he might listen to this <laughs> so i hope he appreciates the shout out Aww. he will stay inside his house he will not be playing with guns with strangers yay there you go but God. yeah um and that's that's really all that uh, massachusetts is putting out in terms of information about that okay. but it was definitely surprising awesome um so my story is not a true crime story at all okay it's a weird news story though okay uh well sort of weird i mean you probably find it cringy i'm here so you know cicadas are a thing now a days right is this that video about that lady i don't that's not a video i didn't see the lady video i saw a video of a lady collecting them and cooking them oh okay cool 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 so okay it's not about that thank goodness that was gross well, actually. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's just this my glasses. A, tell me more. <clears throat> so, in. Where's this at? Uh, Bethesda. Bethesda? Yeah, uh, Maryland. Oh, um, a couple hours away. Yeah. Uh, a pastry chef named Sarah Dwyer. Dwyer okay. Um, she sells chocolate colored uh, cicadas oh this was different this was different <laughs> um but yeah she sells chocolate covered cicadas and um i guess this it's not this is it no it might just be like the i don't think it is i was gonna say it's not like the the actual cicada it's just their, their shell the shells they, yeah that they like oh no it might be that but i might just be cicadas um, well the lady that i saw mm. She should okay. She had a whole TikTok, yeah. and she went outside and she was picking them up and throwing them in boxes, and they were like in, in like a bucket, yeah. and they were definitely moving. Yeah. And then she was also rinsing them, and they were definitely moving. Yeah. And then she was throwing them in a pot, and they were moving until they boiled. And well, then she took them and strained them out, and she dumped that into a pan, and then she seasoned them with Old Bay. Yeah. Okay. So this is sort of like that too. So mm-hmm. this is she does use actual cicadas. Okay. Um, and she fries them, and then she either coats them after she's done frying. She either coats them with cinnamon or she coats them with obey, and then she dips the, them in chocolate. Okay, here's the problem with that for me. Like, <sighs> did you know? Hold on, I'll interrupt you. I've like my was a 12th grade science teacher. She told us like you know cicadas around blah blah blah. blah. She brought in some cicadas, uh, like their their casing, they call their whatever. The exoskeleton when they molt, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're moltings. They're and all over the place. She's like, you know, people have said that these taste like peanut butter. Would anybody like to try them? 
Did you do it? I did not try it. Oh, come on. I really wanted to, though. But I was just like, mm, I don't know. It's a bug. I'm not taking that one. This isn't a fear factor shit. I remember one time I I was at the, like, the, you know, the big, like, the little science center downtown. Yeah. And you they, they had, like, a little bag of, like, cheese-covered larvae. Oh, nice. And I definitely, like, bought those on a dare and, like, ate them. I mean, nowadays, yeah. It didn't I taste like anything special. The only difference for me with this is that, like, these are cicadas from, like, outside. These were not bugs that were bred in a clean facility so to since, be eaten. So since they're outside bugs, I'm not going to touch it. I don't know. Like, I mean, technically, you know, you could go outside into the pond and get a fish. Yeah. But I technically wouldn't do that in the river oh, no. <laughs> outside no. of my house either because no. it's gross. It is gross looking. No, thank you. No river fish for me. Um, But, yeah, I know a lot of my friends, they, well, not a lot, but uh, one of my friends, her and her son, they had, like, this whole jar of cicadas that they went out and collected. I'm not sure what they did with them. Th- that was my next question. So what, what are we doing with all the cicadas? Yeah. I don't know. Just waiting for them to die in the jar? Maybe. Like we used to do with fireflies? Or eat them. Cook them. They're probably... They're good in protein. Come on now. All that so nice, is everything else. So nice, are nuts. So are fava beans. Yeah, but cicadas taste like nuts. They got a nutty smell when you fry them. You've never eaten them. You cannot advocate for this. I am reading... I'm going off of this news report that I got. <laughs> And from things my science teacher told me. So, yes, I am going to say they are nutty. I am going to talk to your science teacher right now. Brian's 12th grade science teacher. Did you eat them yourself? Because if you didn't, it doesn't count. Your opinion doesn't count. Well, then it's all right. Then you can speak to what you experienced. You got to experiment. It's science. (laughs) I'll leave that to the professionals. Uh, we could do our own experiments. We're you grown, know what? That can be what adults. you do on your TikTok channel, <laughs> your TikTok bugs, page. Eat bugs. Whatever you want. Experiment Sarah. eating insects. What does this grasshopper taste like? There wasn't there a guy on YouTube who gets stung. He did like he got stung by all of the worst things that can sting you. Why? I forget his name. It's a really weird name. It's like unique. He's dead, right? Huh? Is he dead? No. Oh. It just hurts real bad. Oh, yeah, obviously. Oh, by the way. Yes. I haven't said this because I haven't been here all month, but happy Pride Month. Yeah. <laughs> your glass. I was looking at your glasses. I was like, oh, hey, by the way, happy Pride Month. Oh, yeah. I've been wearing those all month. Yeah. I'm wearing my, well, I, whenever I tie my hair back, I've been doing that lately. Oh. I've been tying my hair back. Um, and I put my, my hat on, my nice knitted rainbow hat oh it's it's pride month <laughs> hey that's fun happy pride to everybody who that is celebrating yeah there you go there you go when killers get caught is sponsored by the magic class boutique Now, why does that name sound so familiar? Well, it's because it's a business ran by our very own Brittany. That's right, the Magic Class Boutique is not only a black-owned business, it's a woman-owned as well. This is a jewelry company that makes some pretty awesome earrings, ranging from cute little sushis to 
spooky mermaid skeletons. There are even adorable self-defense keychains for those just-in-case moments. And introducing the Serial Collection. This set of earrings is based off of Serial Killers and the official merch for the podcast. This collection features everything a serial killer would need to pull off their crimes, from hunting knives at the beginning of their crimes to warden keys for when they eventually get caught. Check out themagicclasp.com today where you can use our promo code CAUGHT to receive 15% off of your online order. That's T-H-E-M-A-G-I-C-C-L-A-S-P dot com and use promo code CAUGHT for 15% off and make sure you tell Brittany that I sent you. Onto the normal festivities. Yay! Well, this is going to be a little different. So, uh, a couple po- a couple podcasts back, you brought up some local lore in the way of local cryptids. Yes. And so I was looking into Pennsylvania-based killers. Oh. So if you are from Pennsylvania, this is going to be an interesting episode for you. Also, I'm excited already. There are, of course, a lot. Of course. Um, and of the sil- serial killer variety, there is, of course, Gary Heidneck, who inspired Buffalo Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, he lived in Philadelphia and he kept women in his basement. Um, I'm not going to be discussing him tonight. Um, yeah. What I was looking through was, remember when I, a couple of months ago, I bought the Encyclopedia of Serial Killers from Michael Newton. And I bought a couple different volumes of that. They're right next to you on the yeah. shelf. Um, <laughs> and that led me to a killer I'd never heard of called the Frankfurt Slasher. Uh, and then down an entire rabbit hole of looking up articles from the Philadelphia Inquirer and reading two or three different books from Michael Newton, another book from Antonio Mendoza, and also Harold Schechter. So just giving references for those who are listening, people who look up, uh, people you can look up later. Nice. Okay. For our non-Philadelphia lis- listeners, I want to explain to you the area that is Frankfurt, Philadelphia. Um, it's an area in northeast Philadelphia, about six miles northeast of Center City, which is generally where you're going to go when you are. Center City is where you're going if you're a tourist, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> um, there's a major transit hub there, uh, part of the rail system known as SEPTA, the Southeastern Pennsylvania Transit Authority. Um, I took the Market Frankfurt train line on an almost daily basis for about 10 years. I still, my sister still lives in Philadelphia. Um, and unlike a lot of my stories that I uncover, I identify the killer and I tell you who they are and why they work that way. And I kind of work you through the person's life. But this is one of those rare cases where there's still a lot that's unsolved about the Frankfurt slasher. And someone was convicted of the crime, but a lot of people don't believe he did it. So what I'm going to walk you through is the murders. And then I will let you, Brian, and our audience decide what's the truth here. Oh goodness, you got an unsolved. Well, it's one of it's solved, but it's not solved yeah. in the same way that you know episode seventeen with Ken Rex McElroy. <laughs> we, we know what happened? It there. was uh, it's unsolved, but it was solved. Yeah, we man. know what happened. He died. <laughs> we, we know that 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 boy 
<laughs> with the shotgun, with the rifle, definitely was one of the shots. Who's the deal? Dale was there, but Dale. he wasn't there. He definitely wasn't Dale there. Freedom boy Dale. He knew shit. So this whole situation started August 26, 1985. Um, and transit workers found the body of a woman as they started their work day at the SEPTA train yard, which is located at Penn and Bridge Street in the lower northeast section of Frankfurt. It was about 830 in the morning. Uh, the victim was nude from the waist down. She had been posed in a lewd position and her shirt was pulled up to expose her breasts her name was helen Patton. she was 52 years old and she actually lived in parkland pennsylvania which is like 10 minutes away um helen had been sexually assaulted but she'd also been stabbed 47 times in her head and chest predominantly but there's also a stab wound in her arm and then one particularly deep one in her stomach that had exposed like some of her organs. Oh. Um, Lovely. The police constructed, you know, a typical timeline of her death. Uh, she had a husband, but they were separated. They lived. To- they were separated, and they lived together. And he had last seen her on August nineteenth. Um, she had left about a week before then. Uh, on uh, the week before she was murdered, mm-hmm. and she hadn't really told him where she was gone. And like they kind of lived completely separate lives. Um, a lot of local people in Frankfurt told the inquirer that they were surprised that she didn't live in Frankfurt because she spent so much of her time in that area of the city. But she lived only like 10 minutes away, right? Well, see, you gotta, <clears throat> this is, this is how this, the, the weird big city life thing works though. Like I used to live in West Philadelphia and I rarely Morning. left the area. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> more than i needed to and like i had a friend who lived literally 15 minutes across the river in maple shade new jersey and one time we were like trying to like we had met in a completely different location and we're like and then we'd been friends online for a little while Hmm. and so one day we were talking and she was like oh you should come to maple shade and i was like i don't have a car i just take septa everywhere and she was just, I was like, well, it's not that far. And she was like, oh, I don't go to Philly. Like, <laughs> people don't leave their areas. <laughs> like, if a train doesn't go there, you don't go there. Like, that's how it is. I don't go to Philly. <laughs> like, I used to visit staff in, like, northeast Philly. And I would get off at the Frankfurt train station and take a bus up to her house. Mm. Because that was a straight shot down the train and then a straight shot. Up the boulevard. I didn't have to do no alternate routes to nothing for that one. Like it's just I don't know. It's just a weird thing. I even do it here in this town. Mm. Like I do almost everything on this side of the river other than go to work. Yeah. Okay. I don't go over like they're like my kids are like, Oh, have you been to this restaurant? Have you been to this smoothie place? And I'm like, Oh, where's that? And they're like, Oh, it's down the road. I, I don't I don't do anything over there. <laughs> I don't go across the I river. stay in my neighborhood. I don't listen. This is why you're never going to find me missing. Oh, my God. Y'all know where I am. <laughs> if you know me, you know where I am. If she's not where she's supposed to be, it is trouble. When I leave, it's like brief moments. Go to a city 30 minutes away. Go to Philly. <laughs> bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> that's me. So, like, that's why they were surprised because she was always in Frankfurt. Mm. And I'll explain why in a little bit. <laughs> but... um. Pretty much, it's because that area, especially in 1985, it was a lot of bars. Um, 
And so the police kind of posited that maybe she met somebody and that was the person who had assaulted her and murdered her. But without much to go on at that point, they just were like, eh, no, we don't have any other evidence. And nothing else happened for about four or five months. Oh, wow. And then on January 3rd, 1986, 68-year-old Anna Carroll was found. This one was different, though. The door to her apartment on the 1400 block of Rittner Street was wide open. It was the middle of winter, and she was on her bedroom floor. Just like Helen, nude from the waist down, she'd been stabbed six times in the back. And there was one large cut from her breastbone down to her groin that was done after she died. So it wasn't even like the means to harm her. It was almost like a calling card at this point. Uh, Um, And then the kitchen knife that had been used to kill her was left in her stomach. Of course it was. Why wouldn't he take it with him? Um. (laughs) So 1400 Rittner is about 10 miles from Frankfurt, but the police kind of were like, that's a really distinctive thing, the cut in the abdomen. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were like, that's suspicious, you know. Um, And there were some articles from 1986 that were like, is this related? But the police were just like, no, no, no. These are isolated, different incidents. Oh, obviously. No. How? 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 Well, one of the things that they ignored was that even though Helen and Anna lived in different cities, both Helen and Anna were a fan of the local bars oh. on Frankfurt Avenue. The same bar? Yes. Oh, interesting. And oh, let me just say this too. They're both older women. One's in their like mid forties and the other one's in their fifties, right? Mm-hmm. They're that's not like some type of pattern like you're, Well, you're the first one was fifty two and the second one was sixty eight. Oh. So these are all at this point all women over fifty. Look at look, come on. Pattern. They're connected. We'll see. Especially with the abdomen stabbing. Come on. Or the, well, the cut. Whatever. Okay. Sorry. Continue. No, you're good. <laughs> no, you're great. So then we hit our third victim. Her name is Susan Olseth. She's killed Christmas of 1986. Similar to Anna, her door is open. She's found stabbed in the back. Her home was on Richmond Street, which was much closer to the first murder. Okay. Um... All three women were seen at a bar called Goldie's on the 5200 block of Frankfurt Avenue. This was very clear to some of the journalists writing about this at the time in the Philadelphia Inquirer. But the police were like, listen, Franklin's, you know, it's just a busy area. And it is. I will say that it is a busy area. Um, It's got a lot of people traveling through on a daily basis. Yeah, but. They they frequented the bar. <laughs> they all went to the same bar. Here goes my quest to make Brian very frustrated by the end of my portion of the podcast. <laughs> well, I'm going to give some background on Frankfurt at this point. So this was, this is technically, this started as a suburb of Philadelphia. Mm. Um, it was the headquarters for a traveling circus. Uh, the Philadelphia Symphony Orchestra used to perform there. It was the original place where the football team that would eventually become the Philadelphia Eagles first played. Um, The elevated train, which everybody there still calls the L, even though they call it the Market Frankfurt train now, 
Yeah, I know the L train. Right. It was always the L. Um, that came in 1922. And that is what brought a lot of people moving to the area because now they had access. Uh, by the time the 80s hit, um, crimes were happening the way that crimes are still happening in Frankfurt. Uh, it's got a lot of slum landlords, struggling businesses, prostitutes, drugs. Um, Frankfurt Avenue used to be known as King's Highway. And it's about 13 blocks long and there are loads of shops and it is directly beneath the L. Um, in fact, uh, if you have watched Rocky, you have seen sections of Frankfurt Avenue because they were specifically chosen to be the area of Philadelphia that looks kind of gritty. Right, right. Okay. Um, like I said, I used to take the train from 40th and Market all the way to the end and take a bus to my job on Roosevelt Boulevard. I used to visit staff. Like... Um, in my lifetime, it has not really been an area where I would think to hang out and chill. Um, usually for me, like it's whatever I would get, you get off the train because it's the end stop mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of buses that can connect from there. Everybody is just immediately moving off. Like even I haven't been there in like five years. I will say that to anybody who's listening and lives in Philly, but because I moved five years ago, but. So what you're saying is nobody ever like chills. Well, so here's the thing. But you remember, you got those people. These are all older people. Yeah. And I know you know those dive bars where old people just chill. <laughs> it's it's just a thing. It's a thing because I got to do it. <laughs> well, you know, back when, you know, bars, well, bars are open again now. But you know what I'm saying? Like I would just you know go to like I I'd have a I have a bar oh oh so you have a bar where you just go and chill sometimes yeah you know, oh wow I'm, I'm an old man I don't care stop it <laughs> but in the eighties and definitely the early nineties this area was more of a bustling nightlife um, like a lot of Philadelphia it was a spot where no matter when you get off the train which used to run twenty four hours it doesn't anymore you could stop get a drink get something to eat stop by a bar. Um, that is one of the things I miss the most about Philadelphia. The fact that so much never closed or yeah. it didn't close until like midnight. Getting used to things closing at 7 p.m. is awful. It is terrible. <laughs> like even now I'm like, oh, I'm going to order from this place. And it's like, we don't open again until Tuesday. Screw you. <laughs> I don't even think like when I was living in Lancaster, they closed like this early. It's, it's just this area. Yeah. And you would think, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but regardless, like it, definitely in the like late eighties, early nineties, the area was open all the time. So there were a lot of people running through there all day. Like I said, there's still lots of people moving through there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the police didn't think much of like three murders that happened in a big city in three different smaller neighborhoods in that area, especially when I was a kid. People called the city Philadelphia, and it definitely had a reputation a little bit different from what it is today. Mm-hmm. Like where I used to live, when I say, you know, in West Philadelphia, um, when I was like little, they called it the bottom. Um, and that was like the bottom of West Philly. And like all of West Philly was very rough. Well, when I was growing up there, like it was where the colleges were mm-hmm. and there's this whole little area now called university city. Yeah. It's got loads of stores and it's, it's very, 
it's definitely a little on the gentrification side, but also kind of not to put, you just got to walk a couple blocks right, off right. of yeah. U City. You'll see. <laughs> yeah. And you'll, same way here, you know, how exactly, there's like yep. two blocks that look great. Then they go, go another block forward and you're back in the hood. That's just how it is. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, now Philadelphia, like, I, I see articles all the time that are like, you know, Philadelphia is one of the most cultured cities in America, yada, yada, yada. But about 30 years ago, it was still called Philadelphia, and there were spots that were rough. Mm. Um, regardless, we're talking, uh, the last murder was December of 86. So this is not even a full month later. This is like two weeks later. Oh, okay. January 8th, 1987. 7.30 a.m. Uh, there's a lady by the name of Jeanne Durkin. She's the youngest victim so far at 28 years old. Oh, wow. She lived on the street. And she usually slept in the doorway of an abandoned bakery that was two doors away from what bar? The Goldies. Yeah, Goldies. There's a small dispute as to where her body was found. Um, I saw some articles in the Inquirer state that like a restaurant employee found her underneath a storage truck. But then in the Michael Newton book, he said that she was under a fruit stand on Pratt Street, west of Frankfurt Avenue. Um, And just like Helen, she was stabbed an excessive amount of times. Um, Chest, her and her chest, butt and back. Actually, 74 times. Um, This killing was a block away from the first one. She was found visually the same way, nude from the waist down. She was also assaulted. She was propped similarly to Helen Patton, and the crime scene was described as just being horrific. But on the ground, the fences of like the nearby houses, um, even on a side of a van that was on the street as well, had blood on it Every, everywhere. Which is, it makes sense because stabbing someone seventy-four times is a lot yeah, of stabbing. True, true. This is a really big headline. And at this point, the public is like, this sure sounds like a serial killer, Philly PD. What are you doing? And um, they, like, the locals were definitely giving a lot of pressure to Philly PD to solve this. This is also, this, the newspapers just outright said, Philadelphia has a serial killer. Mm. Um, at one point, they were calling him like the Northeast Stabber hmm. or Northeast Slasher. I'm not exactly sure when it switched to the Frankfurt slasher, but regardless. That should have been like the first name because it's weird. Right. Well, so I'm referencing another serial killer in the beginning, right? Well, that was 1985 to 1989. Philadelphia actually had three serial killers. At the same time? Same time. Remember a couple weeks ago on TikTok, I said that 1987 was one of the most popping years for serial killers? Yeah, I remember. The 80s, for some reason, there's this little pocket of time when things just got crazy. They're still crazy. You're right. <laughs> but so we had Gary Heidnick kidnap women, kept them in his basement on North Marshall Street, which isn't that far from where these were happening. He'd been using those women as sex slaves, also eating parts of them and storing the corpses that didn't survive his torture. He's one of the people that they based Buffalo Bill off of. There's also a man named Marty Graham who also lived in North Philly and had got evicted from his home in August of 87 because it smelled bad. And when the police came to make sure he had left because it was an official eviction, they found seven corpses. Oh. And fun fact, Marty said they were there when he moved in. <laughs> like it didn't bother to move them? Nope. 
So they were just there. Obviously, you didn't do this, sir. So we're just going to let you go. Well, yeah. So now it's 87. Um, and Philly now has a third serial killer in it. So they're like, this is kind of serious. Um, Philadelphia PD formed a task force. They started canvassing this, that area, those 13 blocks underneath the L, mm. um, talking to anyone in the neighborhood to see if anybody had witnessed anything. A lot of attention was put on Goldie's because all of the victims had been in there before they died. Um, they spent hours questioning bartenders. Um, one of them they interrogated for hours because she'd known all of the women as regulars and had even allowed Durkin to come in when it was cold and oh. just chill there. Um, regardless of whether she bought uh, that bartender, her name was D Hughes told the inquirer that she was pretty sure it was probably somebody who was a patron there. Yeah. Like a regular guy. Yeah. She's like, I'm pretty sure it's somebody here. I'm not even going to, I'm not going to say it was even think of it being a woman. It's fucking man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as, uh, like, so Olsef had been in the bar three days before she died. Um, they, so far, all of our victims had different personalities. Mm. So, uh, Olsef was very popular. She talked to a lot of people. Carol was quiet, bought her own drinks, kept to herself. Um, Durkin was different. Um, people who lived in the neighborhood said that she wasn't the kind of person who would have been taken down easily. Um, she'd been arrested previously. And there was another situation that happened where six officers tried to get her into a cop car and they couldn't, so they gave up. Oh. <laughs> Let that have it. <laughs> so Jan Durkin was a fighter. Which might explain why there were so many stab wounds. Right. Okay. They you know, sometimes they say you don't want to make your attacker angry. Well. But I'm I'm one to make my attacker angry. Listen, I said we one of us gonna die tonight, fam. This is just how this is gonna work, buddy. Yeah, you wanna take me down real bad. There you go. Oh, um but this did give the, the police some insight into the kind of person who would be able to take her down. Um essentially either she knew this person and she knew them really well and she had her guard down, or the amount of time she was stabbed correlating to her fighting back. And that, in a sense, she might have made that person angry. And that's why they continued to keep stabbing her, even though she was dead. Gotcha. Um, the only other information they really had was that um, Durkin and another homeless woman had gotten into a fight over a blanket the night before her death. But that wasn't a whole lot to go on. And it was highly unlikely that some lady who just wanted a blanket had yeah. violated her sexually. So like we're another wall. Um, this one, I think kind of freaked people out. Durkin was young. She was strong. She was street smart. Um, even though she'd been in and out of mental institutions for most of her life, she was just this tough chick. Um, and actually on January 20th, two weeks after her murder, um, I saw an article about like a vigil and then like people praying for, you know, who to figure out who the killer was. And also they were like out to show like, we looking for you. Mm-hmm. Now, here's where you're going to probably get exasperated because I was too. A year goes by. 
There's no more information about Jean Durkin or any of the other murders. So the police been d- begin telling journalists that they aren't sure that this is a serial killer after all. Maybe it had just been four different similar murders in a neighboring area of a major metropolis. I hate. <laughs> I hate their faces. I know. Are you kidding me? Come on now. But yeah, nothing else happens in 1987. Sorry, that scared me. That was a, I don't know if any, if you guys can actually hear that, but there was a very loud thunder crack and it happened right as I paused. I was not expecting that. I was like, what the fuck? Oh God, this feels like when we first started. Why is this so hard? Oh man. Anyway, the next killing, November 11th, 1988, almost 20 months after GN Durkin, but the MO is the same. Margaret Vaughn, 66 years old, found in the lobby of her apartment building on the 4900 block of Penn Street. She had been evicted from that same apartment that that day. She was stabbed 29 times, and this was three blocks away from where Jean Durkin was found. Huh. A bartender at a lo- at a local bar, different one, not Goldie's this time. Okay, okay. Mentioned that Margaret had been in the bar with a Caucasian man with a round face who had a limp and wore glasses. The two had had drinks together. And this was the first time that the police had any information about any of them being around another uh, person. Right, right, right. Um, Yeah, which is really weird. Like, right? The bartender didn't see these women talking to people while they were in there? I think some of them were talking to a lot of people. Some of them were talking to nobody. Yeah, okay. Um, So they they do a sketch. It was released to the public, put all over, but nobody knew who he was. Mm. Two months later, January 19th, 1989, Teresa, her name is Teresa Scortino. She's found in her apartment, stabbed 25 times. Um, she lived on Eric Street, which was three blocks away from where Margaret Vaughn was found and two blocks away from Frankfurt Avenue. She was found wearing only a pair of socks in her kitchen. She'd been cut with one of her own kitchen knives on her face, arms, and chest. This time, the attacker used a piece of wood to assault her. And he left the knife and the wood on the sink and a bloody footprint behind. Oh, he's getting careless. He's leaving more evidence behind. We shall see. She was 30. And so she had a lot of the similarities to Durkin. Um, They both had a history of being in psychiatric facilities. Scrotino had just been released from one and was attending outpatient treatment. Um, Also similar to Durkin, Scrotino put up a fight. And they think that's why she uh, sustained so many cuts. They said that there was blood all over her apartment and the whole place was like messed up. So she definitely also put up a fight. Also similar to all the other victims so far. Scortino hung out on the Frankfurt Strip and some of her neighbors told reporters that she had a lot of gentlemen callers. Okay. One of her neighbors actually said, this is quite possibly the shadiest, nicest way to say this. She had a lot of company. (laughs) Jealous. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if they were hinting that maybe she might've been doing like some, some prostitution on the side. Uh, it's thoroughly plausible, but that was never fully mm-hmm. put in the papers. Either way, you're jealous. She'd been seen last at the Jolly Post Tavern, which is on Griscom and Arrow Street. 
She had also been seen with a white middle-aged man wearing glasses. Oh, those round face guys. Now we're at six victims. The police are like, we're open to the possibility of a serial killer. Um, One of the things that caused confusion here is that some of them were following like the FBI. Because remember, the whole creation of the, the FBI figuring out serial killers had only been enacted for about a decade. Yeah. Um, so some of them were following very strictly the guidelines from the FBI and this wasn't fully following that. Yes, these are serial murders, but they're not happening nearly as frequently as the FBI says that they should be happening. Also, but we also know that the FBI only says that there are 30 to 50 serial killers ever active at the same time. And I don't know how much I believe that. Yeah. Like, if they're in the um, same area, that's a fucking serial killer. There's, some, there's something going on. Anyway. But here's the thing. All the women are white. All of them... uh were killed in the same 10-mile radius. Mm-hmm. The stabbings are all vicious. There's little, almost no evidence and no witnesses. That sounds serial to me. Yeah. Absolutely. The police just... It's, no, no. What are you talking about? It's just some random people doing some random things. I will say, they gave it a good college try. They, they did loads of hours of interviews with everybody they ha- they could... They had no leads. They even searched the sewers and the trash cans near Scortino's apartment for clues, but they didn't find anything. So they were taking out like the local bars and stuff like that. Well, so the police also looked at another case that had happened around the same month. Um, And one did pop up. A lady was named Catherine Jones. She was 29 years old and she was found in the snow, partially frozen January 29th. Um, she was found in another area of Philadelphia referred to as Northern Liberties. Um, Northern Liberties is North Philly, but gentrified. Okay. I, I feel like it. that's the only way I can explain that. Um, especially now. Um, it's like loads of like trendy places. Um, it's not very, I would say, uh, gosh, uh, if you've been to Philadelphia, it's not far from, say, Chinatown. So it's more eastern than where Frankfurt is. Frankfurt is you're going much further north into the east. Mm-hmm. This is like kind of directly east, bordering on where the river is, this, this neighborhood. Um, okay. I guess it's a very trendy area of town. Um, so she's found in Northern Liberties. Um, no, she was a waitress. Who also spent a lot of time at the bars on Frankfurt because it's not that far away. Mm-hmm. But there were differences here. Uh, Catherine was bludgeoned to death. So they ultimately decided not to add her to the official victim list of the Frankfurt slasher. Just because she wasn't cut? Because she wasn't cut. Okay. Um, things got quiet again. No more crimes for the rest of 1989 uh, until April 29th, 1990. About 2 a.m., people find the nude body of Carol Dowd in an alley behind uh, Newman's Seafood, which was a fish market, at 4511 Frankfurt Avenue. Hmm. Carol was 46, and she had been beat up as well as stabbed 36 times in her face, neck, chest, and back. Same as the early victims, deep cut in her abdomen. And actually, uh, it was reported that her intestines were out of her body. Which seems excessive. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, the killer had even cut off one of her nipples. 
Oh, come on. She had defensive wounds all over her hands. Um, her clothes, even though she was naked, her clothes were there. As was her purse. Um, police were actually, they found her so soon because they were in the area because of a burglary. And they determined that she had died between midnight and 1.40 a.m. So they were right there, almost oh, right there when it happened. So close. Um, <clears throat> a witness reported that they'd seen Dowd with an older white man just a couple hours before. He had a round face, glasses, but this time he was wearing a hat. Mm. Just like Durkin and Scortino, uh, Dowd had a history of mental illness and had been institutionalized. And she was living in a community facility for people who had schizophrenia. For a lot of people, this unnamed white man was definitely the killer. Like, so there's lots of wild assumptions. Maybe he's following them from the bars, you know, grabbing them as they open their door. Totally happens. Why they yeah. tell you to look before you just open your door. Yep. They have now released three different separate police sketches, interviewed people who all saw this white man with several of the victims. Who do you think gets arrested for this crime? A bartender? Nope. Someone that works at a bar? Not even. Somebody's boyfriend? Husband? Think more about the fact that I just mentioned to you that he is a white man. Is it a black guy? You're damn right! You not arrest no black guy. Absolutely! Oh my god, I'm done. Sorry. <laughs> I told you I was going to find a way to frustrate you before the night was done. <clears throat> done with this shit. All right. Um, hmm. so they started interviewing the people who worked at the fish market and one of the people they interviewed, his name was Leonard Christopher and he worked at the fish market. He lived nearby. He liked to go to all the bars nearby too. And he told reporters that the location had been burglarized a lot. So when he saw the police there, he assumed that that was why, mm -hmm. um, the area, like I said, full of crime, prostitution, drug deals, not uncommon. If you live in certain areas of Philadelphia, you wake up, you see the cops, you go, huh? And you go back to getting ready for work. <laughs> uh. Leonard told the police that he'd known Margaret Vaughn, which was not a good idea. Despite being a young black man, they looked at him knowing several of the victims and living in that area as you are the number one suspect. How old was he? Or is he? I'm is trying he to I, for some reason, I did not write that down. Leonard Christopher. He looks so young. Because just basic math would just help them out. I mean, he looks pretty young to me. Um, they never said his age in any of the books, but like, uh, oh, that's, he looked like a man in his 30s. That's easily. suspicious right there. He looks like like right now. He looks like he's in his 30s. Well, he's not alive <laughs> now, but oh, okay. um, he looked in like the photos from his trial that mm -hmm. he looked like he's roughly in his maybe late 30s at best, huh. which means judging the way that black people age, he might have been in his early 40s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Some uh, folks are just blessed with aging well. So he, he could have been, you know, between the 30s and 40s. That's yeah. so not that crazy. Okay. Um, hmm. When they asked... He, he did some stuff here that also made him more suspicious. When they asked him where he was the night of the murder, he told them he was with his girlfriend. She told them she had slept alone. What? He had been at the same bar as Dowd 
And a local prostitute reported seeing him at that bar. And another placed him at the fish market that morning sweating with a large knife on his belt. Mind you, that is an item he would use for his job if he is, you know, preparing fish. Maybe. Okay. Mm. They searched his apartment and this was a couple days later and they did find clothes that had blood on them. But the problem with that is that when they also talked to one of his coworkers, Leonard had been tasked with cleaning up the back alley Mm -hmm. where all that happened. So, of course, there was probably going to be some blood, you know, but a lot of people in the community were like, no, this doesn't seem right. Like they vouched for him. They said, like, he's a good guy. Yeah. Where do y'all get this? Okay, y'all get these sketches for this white guy. And oh, no, you fit our description, sir. (laughs) and the thing is like i totally understand being afraid and maybe like saying things that were stupid but uh, he made some really weird choices yeah just tell the truth like where are you like i was picking up a prostitute i'm not right like that's why i was with my girlfriend yeah like but instead he was like no i was at our house we were she she crazy i just came in late yeah see that's what i was thinking when she said he wasn't with her and he was at the bars and right maybe he was trying to pick somebody up and that's why he didn't want anybody to know but regardless yep like look man they arrested him may 5th 1990 on charges of robbery abuse of a corpse murder and possession of an instrument of crime and held without bail which seemed like an open and shut case Especially as far as big city policing goes, especially in a city where there is a lot of crime. Mm. They are trying to close these cases and move this along. So his first little preliminary trial was a month later in June. They felt like there was enough circumstantial evidence to proceed. Two women testified that they'd seen him the night of the murder. One said she saw him walk into the alley behind the fish mart at about 1 a.m. And that she'd heard someone scream. But she left with a client, so she didn't see anything after that. Another woman claimed to have seen him leave the alley carrying his shirt over his arms and a knife on his belt. Hmm. Now, Christopher, uh, he had a defense attorney named Jack McMahon. And McMahon pointed out that the witness testimony kind of contradicted each other. Um, He also pushed to get the robbery charge dropped because all of Dowd's items were still in her purse, including cash. Like, it just looked like her purse fell on the ground. Um, regardless, though, Christopher, Christopher remained in jail. No bond. Um, the neighborhood kind of was like, Ugh, this doesn't seem right, but also someone's in prison for this. So are we safe now? No. Wrong person is in prison for this. Because while he is in prison on September 6th, 1990, a woman, uh, she's referred to by two different names in multiple articles, Michelle Diener or Michelle Martin. She is found in her apartment on Eric Street, not very far from Franklin Avenue. Uh, Michelle had actually been the woman who had gotten in a fight with uh, Gian Durkin before Durkin was murdered. Yep. And but now, obviously, she was no longer a suspect. She had been stabbed 23 times in the chest and stomach. There was no sign of forced entry like any of the other apartment attacks. There was no obvious murder weapon, and this was three blocks from Carol Dowd, and it was on the same street as the Teresa Scortino murder in 1989. Um, Dana Martin was a drinker, 
And she was also a paranoid loner who people refer to in the newspaper as Crazy Michelle. <laughs> she, obviously at one point when she was fighting with Durkin on the street, she had been homeless. Um, she struggled heavily with mental illness. Um, people said that she sometimes barricaded herself in her apartment and would throw things out of the window at people. Huh. Um, she was only 30. Um, she went to all the same bars as all the other women. Um, and when she, that was when she wasn't like selling pretzels on the street. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> she was often drinking at those bars all day. Um, the day before her murder, she was seen with a middle-aged white man. So they let they, they let this guy out, right? Mm-mm. Why not? <laughs> well, the locals were pretty solid. This is definitely not Christopher. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they were like, you got the wrong guy. Articles pointed out, Christopher doesn't match the description of the killer. Like, this is just a bad bust. Yeah. Um, October 27th of the same year, a bunch of citizens march in the rain through the, all of the different areas where all the women had been killed. They had a candlelight vigil. It was very much like neighborhood watch. We're doing this. Um, Philly PD are patrolling at this point all of the bars on Frankfurt, watching um, women who fit the profile. Uh, they had investigated over 50 men who looked like the police sketch, were surveilling some of them, and had a couple more leads they were following. But the issue is these crimes didn't have a really solid pattern. All they had was like a victim typology, really. Yeah. Um, the crime scenes were violent and covered in blood, but there was never a report of anyone covered in blood walking around the area. Yeah, there's no Richard Ramirez. Like, I saw Chris, <laughs> like the ladies, like I saw Leonard Christopher walking with his shirt over his arm and a knife. If you stab someone 29 times, there's going to be a lot of blood on you and the surrounding area. Absolutely. Like, Crime Stoppers was fielding calls from people, like, reporting their bus drivers and neighbors with grudges telling on each oh, other. God. I, I love that. They brought in a psychic who told them that there was witchcraft involved here. Oh, my God. And since there technically was a local cult that met in the nearby park, that wasn't wrong, but it was also a dead end. Oh, my God. Come on. <laughs> the one big clue they had was the shoe print. And that did match that victim's boyfriend's shoe, but he was ultimately eliminated as a suspect. Um, The public called for Leonard Christopher to be released. But his trial started November 29th, 1990. That's ridiculous. This was handled by the assistant district attorney named Judith Rubino. And she, she came in slugging she was like he's a vicious killer he used a rambo style knife that was definitely a particular rambo style knife yeah i know what you mean Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to slash and kill tarot dowd behind the fish market where he worked which makes no logical sense because why would you murder somebody where you work or live yeah stupid she did admit that there were no witnesses to the murder but she did say that there were she was going to call on witnesses who Saw him leave that same alley. She said that there was blood on his clothes uh, in his apartment and that he lied where he'd been. Um, the defense attorney, McMahon, told the jury that Christopher was a pretty chill guy. He was well-liked. He had no history of violence. And uh, the police were under a lot of pressure to pin the murders on somebody because they'd been incapable of finding the slasher for the last five years. I was about to say, so many years. Oh. Which caused Rubino to object to this. Uh, McMahon continued 
that there were six cases prior to Dowd that all seemed to be the work of a serial killer, and Christopher couldn't have done all of those. Rubino objected to that, too. McMahon pointed out that while Christopher was in prison, another woman had been killed in the same manner in the same neighborhood. Rubino objected to that, and then the two started literally yelling at each other in court, and the the judge had to call a sidebar to calm things down. (laughs) Ultimately, McMahon was allowed to continue this line of discussion, because this is just the opening statement. Right, yeah. Um, He's quoted as saying, pressure sometimes presents unreliable results, Mm. and that the police were relying on evidence that would be discarded in any other case. Like the fact that the witnesses were a prostitute and a junkie, both with lengthy arrest records and nine aliases between them, which made them very unreliable witnesses. In fact, one of the witnesses um, had admitted to lying to the police about the incident because she was friends with Leonard. um, And so he said her testimony shouldn't even be considered because now we don't know what's the truth, what she originally said or what she's saying now. McMahon also points out that there was no Rambo knife found in his home or anywhere near the crime scene. He had no injuries, though his supposed victim had fought back, and there is absolutely no physical evidence linking him to this crime scene. So Rubino countered in her statement that Christopher knew details about the crime that he shouldn't. Like he was able to mention to his boss that some like older white lady had been killed behind the fish market and the police had not released those details. Where did he work? He worked at the fish market. Okay, he could have seen some old white lady. Well, that's my thing. Maybe they weren't (laughs) lying about seeing him back there. Maybe he did see her and maybe he looked at that and went, not my business. And turned around and walked away. Not going to lie. I'd say not my business, but I still call the cops after I'd seen that body. It reminds me of a joke from Mitch Hedberg where he says like, imagine if you like, somebody got shot by an arrow and you just see them in the woods and you just go, look at that guy. And then you turn around and walk away. <laughs> That's probably what he did. That's- right. What would you like? I would probably, I wouldn't stay there because no, you know, if you not. stay there, you're going to be the first suspect. Yep, exactly. Especially if you're a black man in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. See, I wouldn't have I to mean, call, it's I not like there wasn't a total <laughs> FBI, uh, evaluation of the philadelphia police department showing that they are super awful with crimes when it comes to black people mm. that totally didn't come out a couple of years ago no, um but yeah i I'd, I'd definitely turn around but it was a, i was in a situation mm. well that apparently is... christopher said something else weird oh come on so he was like oh this is so strange like he's like maybe i killed her why would you say that his boss uh, miss fung um, said that when he described the the murders, he also indicated with his hands that she had been gutted. Come on, dude. Now, Christopher did tell the police that he had seen a white man on the street at 1 a.m., but there was no one to corroborate that. I really, like, part of me is like, he saw the person who did this. Yeah. And, and he, then dipped out. You fucked yourself over by saying stupid shit. <laughs> his, his boss testified that about five days later, um, he told her that he was having trouble sleeping after witnessing a murder and he was convinced that a white man knew that he'd seen it and was going to kill him. See, now that's something you say. The following day he got arrested. 
for physical evidence, the prosecution showed a tiny speck of blood on Christopher's pants, so small that it couldn't be tested for blood typing, and DNA evidence was still considered new and very expensive science, so they hadn't even tried it. They didn't let that into the evidence, did they? Or into the- well, the most they had was that there was a bloody tissue in the driveway near Christopher's apartment that was blood type O, which was the same blood type as Dowd. And I'm like, aren't there like four blood types? Yeah. and That's oh, like a, almost maybe 10 to 20% of the population is O. And like, yeah, O is the most common. Ask me how I know. Oh, right. That's your job. <laughs> right. So I'm like, this is a super common, but whatever. We're going to keep going. Oh, my God. Um, Christopher said he had seen that white man. In the same driveway, cleaning himself off. But of course, he didn't believe him. Especially since he hadn't even been home of the night of the murders like he claimed. Mm-hmm. The The trial was really short. Shorter than most of the ones that usually I cover here. And um, closing arguments were done December 11th. McMahon offered a showing of Christopher's good morals and how many people had vouched for him. Being a great person. He reminded the jury there was no motive, no weapon, no real evidence other than a speck of blood that's the same type as millions of people. In America, Christopher's description of the man he saw matched the description of the man on all of the flyers around Frankfurt and the police sketch that was released. Um, McMahon said that the prosecution's argument just didn't make sense. And he even told reporters afterward, after the closing arguments that he felt like this was a bad case that never should have been taken to trial. Mm-hmm. Um, ADA Rubino asked the jury, why would the witness lie? It doesn't matter to them if they lie. One of them is a friend of Christopher's and had lied to help him at first. Um, she also reminded the jury of other witnesses who had seen Christopher talking to Dowd at the bar. Um, reminded them that Christopher's girlfriend could not corroborate his alibi. And then she ended by like going into like a detailed like analysis of what Dowd must have felt in her final moments right before she died. Yeah, she went into that. (laughs) And then it was over. Jury deliberated for four hours. Then uh, then it was kind of quitting time. They were sent to sequestered housing. The next day they got up, they spent another four hours and came back with a conviction of first degree murder. While they were reading the verdict, some of the reporters remarked that some jurors were visibly upset on the stand. So this was not a unanimous decision. Um, Christopher, did she seem to show any reaction? Um, and McMahon just kind of shook his head like he was shocked. Yes. The prosecution asked for the death penalty, but they did not get it. Um, he was given life in prison. Later, Christopher did tell reporters that he felt like he had been railroaded by the cops who had probably coerced testimony from local prostitutes and that he had never admitted anything to anybody outside of a couple of random things he'd said to his boss. Mm -hmm. Um, McMahon told the papers that the real killer was definitely still out there. Um, So many people like Michael Newton, who started me on this quest of reading about this. um, He also released a book called still at large, uh, it's called The Casebook of 20th Century Serial Killers Who Have Eluded Justice. And in that book, he lists 
the Frankfurt Slasher as unsolved. Um, Philadelphia PD have gone on record saying that Leonard Christopher was still a suspect in the other murders, but they had other suspects as well. And uh, at least seven of the Frankfurt Slasher murders remain unsolved. It's possible that Leonard Christopher was a copycat. It's possible that there were several copycats. Um, I would have liked to see that DNA evidence on those pants if yeah, it yeah. could still be tested. Now, I did see an article that they were looking into it um, uh, because there have been some petitions um, to get him exonerated. Mm-hmm. Um, for a time period, the Innocence Project was taking on his case. Uh, but he died from cancer a couple years ago. So as far as him being released from prison, that's never going to happen. At this point, they're just trying to, I guess... Clear his name. Clear his name, yeah. Um, definitely to me, it seems like somebody got away with murder. It just sounds Maybe like more it. than a couple. And, you know, maybe he could have been like a copycat. Maybe he did, like, behind the fish market. He was doing something stupid back there. And Right. But all those stab wounds... And no evidence. No mm-hmm. evidence of anybody covered in blood. That's the weird part. Yeah. Like, he wasn't covered in blood. He just had his shirt off. And he had no freaking wounds on himself. Right. And that's the thing that, that follows me, too. I mean, like, I feel like in a situation where someone's fighting back, there's going to be some kind of wounds. Yeah, you got scratches. Scratches. Your face, something. On your arms or your chest. They, they, like, something. Like, they didn't check underneath their nails for, like, skin flakes or shit like that. That's a thing that I know. Well, remember, DNA was still new. It's... DNA testing was still new. Yeah, I guess. And so, I mean, at that point, it was probably wildly expensive. I mean, even in the case that I just talked about on TikTok about those two teenagers who killed the girl's dad. Yeah. They're still waiting on, I think, all of the DNA sequencing and whatnot for those cases. And that crime happened two months ago. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. They were like their their official like we're officially charging you with what happened happened a couple days ago. Mm. Fun fact for TikTok listeners, they have decided to uh charge Sierra Hulseth as an adult Ooh. even though she is 16 years old. Nice. <laughs> Her boyfriend was 18, so he was always going to be yeah. an adult, but yeah. yeah so your... that's a sad, you know, thing. Um and it's interesting cuz uh there was talk that in like the early 2000s Frankfurt was going to get like revitalized. Yeah. But um I I spent some time looking it up and it is still considered to be the ninth most dangerous neighborhood in Philadelphia. Oh. They mm. are still talking about redeveloping the area, but there's of course a very weird line of we don't want to make the area inaccessible to the people who have lived there for decades. You know, we don't want to gentrify it. True, um, true. The hope is that maybe it'll become a little a little less rough around the edges, but not a gentrified mess like other sections of the Philly. So there are eight like other places. Northern Liberties and Fishtown, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> there are eight other neighborhoods that are more dangerous than There this are, one. but you know what? They're all like within a mile of Frankfurt. So I as, looked at them on a map. That's the same fucking neighborhood. <laughs> one, one of the favorite things I've, I've seen in the last month was this woman who posted on Twitter and was like, I got an Airbnb and I heard um, that 
it was going to be in Kensington. And I thought that sounded like such a cute little name. Kensington is right near Frankfurt. It's also not a quaint little town like she thought it was. And I was like, oh, Lord, girl, you better go get your money back. Mm. That's not where you like. You better pay and stay in Center City if you're a tourist. Please, please. You don't know where you're living, girl. Go where you you don't know. But yeah, one of those weird situations where there is an official conviction on record, and as far as like police are, they're like, yeah, he probably did them all. Even though for the netizens, as they sometimes call people online, mm. who are researching cases and things of that nature. Oh, the internet uh, crime stoppers are... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they don't believe it. I don't believe it. It's rough. It's fucking ridiculous. I told you. I was like, this is going to be frustrating. I'm just mad. You got a white man. Three, like, how many people gave you... At least four different times they were like, there's definitely a white guy who's been hanging out with these old white ladies. White man, wearing glasses, round face. Same description from different people, but you go get this black guy. I have a picture of the police sketches, but I don't think you want to see it. I don't know. Thank you. (laughs) Well, if you put this on YouTube, you're going to have to find it eventually. I will. I don't like. I know you don't. I'm sorry. Uh, Oh, my God. to my lovely story so what's the flavor this week okay. ghosts hmm. cryptids hmm. demons hmm. hmm so i talk a lot about ghosts and cryptids and demons did you really write that in your notes <laughs> this is my first line all i'm saying is um <laughs> this just proves we're always vibing (laughs) but you know i have another interest oh there's another there's one more oh wait is this the men in black no but it's close okay because we talked about that one time you said you were going to do a that you know Mm -hmm. we were going to do a real talk about the men in black i mean i could do more stories about the men in black but today we're going to be talking about aliens okay (laughs) Yeah, you gotta love stories about abductions from little green men or reptilians or... There's so many different ones, though. There are. Like, I was just watching an episode of um, Dead Files where the lady, the, the medium, was like, this definitely feels like an alien or something from an interdimensional like existence. And I was like, how do you know that, Amy? <laughs> And like, and her recommendation was legitimately that they leave. She's like, I just leave this area. Don't even. I mean, I'm like, here's my thing, though. If I'm being stalked by an interdimensional being, can I go anywhere? Not really. That's how I feel, too. <laughs> they will find you. You know, But you know what's funny? <clears throat> how there are, you know, obviously different species of aliens. Right. Absolutely. But if you talk about like little green men or like little gray aliens. 
They all look the same. The gray men, yeah. They all look the same. I think that's based off of like the Area 51, right? That concept of the Area 51 alien. But like, there's got to be more. I mean, listen, Star Wars came up with like 50 different species of aliens. That's what what I'm saying, though, because like, look at humans. Do we all look the same? Of course not. We're all the same fucking species. Though we do all come from like the mother continent. I mean, this is true. Pangea. Yeah. So that's interesting. We kind of did all, but I mean, listen, maybe there's Martians and because they're closer to the sun, they're like more brown. And then the ones further away from the sun are pale because they never get any sunlight and they don't have any melanin. (laughs) Uh, Possibly. Oh, you know what? I was going to say something else about there's a type of Sasquatch. Oh, yeah. Actually considered like an alien type. I forget what it's called and I forget it's out. Where's that mountain? That volcano out in California is area? Uh the the mountain range near California? It's it's an active volcano out that way, out um west. Or is that east? That's east. West. There's volcano. active volcanoes in a lot well, you know what? There are seven California volcanoes. Okay. The Medicine big one. Lake, Mount Shasta, Lassen Volcanic, Clear Lake. I th- Long Valley? I think it's Mount Shasta. Shasta? Okay. Yeah. I think so, it's that one. There, there there, are Bigfoot that hang out around there who are said to have, have you know, said they're said to be more intelligent than, you know, regular Bigfoot. They're just skinnier, taller. Um, and they're different color. I think they're like blue or something. And they're supposed like to be like all. aliens. Wait a second. Blue Bigfoot? No, How have I never heard of that? I think that's what color they are. Don't quote me on that, please. I'm looking. <laughs> but I feel like I talk, if I'm going to talk about like different alien species, I might as well just start with, you know, the basic, the grays. Okay. Um, so gray aliens are described as beings with, you know, small bodies. They have large heads. They have no hair. Um, they have big black oval almond-shaped eyes um, and smooth gray skin. Uh, gray aliens are always the first that pop in, like, in my head. Well, you know, a, a lot of Marvel and DC characters also pop in my head when I'm thinking about aliens. But, you know, <laughs> when I'm thinking about, like, real-life aliens. Well, I'm going to say, like, I've watched a bunch of different people go to that ranch. Skinwalker? You don't like to say that word. Well, it's not night out. It's just raining. You're not supposed to ever say it. I say it a lot. Well, you're also not indigenous. <laughs> so <laughs> we're not supposed to say it. So we don't. Um, regardless. Um, and it's interesting because people have reported different, like, kinds of entity situations there yeah. that are aliens. And some people report seeing, like, the little type gray man, little green man. Yeah. And for some reason, that's the one that frightens me the most because it's so weird looking. Well, they're actually really closely related to reptilian aliens as well. Hmm. Their skin is just like they have scales and if you look really close at them. Like, for some reason, I'm like, like, you know, I see like a, I've seen like weird light manifestations in the sky. I've seen videos like that that look almost like a rip in the sky mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. those lights that come down and move around lightly or like, around that ranch they've seen lights that kind of move from window to window and it's just a bright light yep. from nowhere yep. that uh. doesn't frighten me at all 
But the idea that I wake up one night and in the corner of my room is a little gray guy, <laughs> I will. I'm losing my shit. Lose Not my- only am I losing my shit, but I'm gonna like pick up anything remotely heavy mm-hmm. and begin chucking it across the room at that thing. I just that just looks oh. awful. I would be less afraid of an actual ghost apparition in here. <laughs> I don't know why it just seems so oh. wrong. Yeah, that's the uncanny valley, don't you think? Maybe it's it because it's got the slightly off rubbery skin. The eyes are too big, like anime eyes. Those aren't real people eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah Can you right. imagine a gray man though with the cute little like ooh? Oh my god! Stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So, so when did we first start hearing about the the green the grays? Grays, I do believe, are very first publicized uh, report of them was Roswell. Okay. Um, oh, but did you know that, well, I, I actually made this number up, but I'm pretty sure it's pretty true. Like, 73% of <laughs> alien sightings are, like, gray aliens. Um, I'm pretty sure it's wrong, but, you know, probably, like, 50. Um, I love that you preface that statistic as, I made this up, <laughs> as if... Like, isn't there like a statistic that says that like a certain percentage of statistics are made up and you just made one up? I'm just saying 73% of <laughs> they're so common. 73% of people have reported to see great. Don't shake your head at me. Okay. No, mm. that's the one I don't want to see. Oh, I know. But um, I'd be more in like, I'd be happier with like, I don't know, uh, like a, a random Star Wars type alien yeah. than a gray. This is true. If cooler. a Chewbacca showed up, I'd be like, what's up, fam? Yeah, yeah. Wookiee. There ma'am. you go. A Wookiee. They have actual names. <laughs> they have actual names. However, I don't like the little ones with the black faces. They annoy me. You're talking about Ewoks? They're super cute, but the sound they make is profoundly annoying. Mm. One time I was on a Minecraft server where they replaced all of the villagers mm. with Ewoks. <laughs> it was super annoying. It's more annoying than the huh, sound that they actually make. <laughs> Terrible noise. Oh, goodness. Mm-mm. So, when... So, the majority of uh, things are grays, which is scary. Okay. That's what I think. I think of anyway. Um, but, yeah, when I think of like, alien sightings, you know, you always go back to Roswell, New, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the first or first sightings or first, you know, things where they found little gray men. Or, you know, Area 51, where they may or may not be keeping these said little corpses of little gray men. Where at this point they'd be dead, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, maybe. You don't know their lifespan. Cryogenically frozen. Mm, true, true. But I know, well, the, 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 the crash in Roswell, they did uncover, like, dead bodies. Well, oh, okay. Well, I, I, you know, I know that... This that is it was, what the general consensus is yeah, online? Yeah, the bodies were dead. So they were, were, now, what's the official? <laughs> what What do the government say about Roswell, New Mexico? What What What's Roswell? <laughs> That's the, there's an actual city there. What happened there? What year are you talking about? That That what? There's something happened there. I mean, my favorite thing is that like if you visit there, it's just all alien motifs I all know. over the place. Every picture I've seen has cute little green people smiling. Yes. Uh, so we're not talking about Roswell today okay. or Area 51. Okay. Um, 
Did you know that there are even people out there who believe that aliens have been here visiting over our planet for over thousands of years? Yeah. Yeah. Ancient alien uh, researchers. Okay, I do not like that guy from Ancient Aliens. I even wrote his name down. It's Giorgio. I did not. His name is Giorgio, but I forget how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> Here's the thing that always irked me, right? I hate the concept that, like, we look at, like, ancient civilizations and we go, there's no way people could do this. It had to have been aliens. And I'm like, why can't there have been smart? Like, no one says that the Parthenon wasn't created, was created by aliens. Only Egypt. And I just think I it's an interesting factor that the African country, we debate whether they created the pyramids, but we don't debate whether Athens was created by aliens. Please, I'm just saying. Go off. <laughs> go off. But no, I was actually going to get into that. So ancient alien researchers, they, I guess I was watching this episode of ancient aliens, which is called the Grace, which I was going to do my research off of. Mm-hmm. But as I was watching, I was like, I don't want to do this shit. <laughs> was that what you were telling me there's a show i have to watch and i don't want to watch it yes okay oh my god i was like i do not want to do my research off of this fucking show anyway i watched a little bit of it um in the beginning um they you know they're talking about any abductions that you know recent ones that have happened but they obviously make it go back to ancient times where they find skulls of elongated heads and at first i was like do y'all not know about head binding as an infant? You don't know what head binding is? I do know, but I never contemplated. Like, because they find they find these skulls in, like, Africa or, like, Peru. Well, I mean, I mean they did foot binding in China for yeah, exactly. thousands so, of years. So, and I mean, we, we've probably binded a lot of things. And, and they do the neck thing, too. This those is true. cool gold neck pieces. So, foot binding in China... It was a long time ago. Yeah, um, yeah, I know that was that was used as like a um, royalty thing, like you know what I mean. Like they're they're higher ups on the patriarchy, whatever you want to call it, back then. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing for head elonging or head binding. Same thing. That was like a status symbol. If you had like a elongated head, you're like that guy's royalty. I know, I know. But they, I guess, ancient aliens crew. You know they said hmm i don't know that was like an alien head instead these are actually alien skulls that's what we found there and then you brought the pyramids there's actually there have actually been like um studies done that they found like ramps that i don't know maybe ancient egyptians could have used to there's ramps inside of them yeah like there there's things like you. it's unfortunate because i'd really like to go visit but i'm also terribly claustrophobic Mm, true yeah i don't want pyramids mummies awesome <laughs> oh but yeah like people this could have been we done. could spend hours talking about mummies oh my god no mummies today but yeah that's just the thing that like it made me laugh i was like i'm not doing my research off of you guys today sorry maybe when i'm doing a joke each aliens episode <clears throat> where was i in my notes god damn it okay so I was in that one, and then, you know, ancient Egyptians, yes, 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 yes. <clears throat> so anyway, like I said, we're not getting into ancient aliens today. Um, I want to talk about certain alien, well, a certain alien abduction. Just one. Just one today. Hmm. Um, it's a pretty nice one. 
it's a i'm pretty sure you know this you might know this one but if you know about aliens you might know it um i know a little bit about aliens okay well if you heard about aliens you, this might be a, a a topic that people i only about. know about that ranch because a lot of ghost shows go there this is true because they report all kinds of activity alien spirit other beings the other thing we don't say at night i don't say the thing or at all you know okay the rules that you don't whistle at night whistle at night i did you don't say the name at all. sometimes i find myself whistling at night (laughs) the issue is if something whistles back you have a problem this is true then i'm running away and running back into the building might be too late at that point you're the one who introduced me to not deer in pennsylvania those are cool looking though they look terrifying i know (laughs) Oh, uh, okay. So, and the characters had memorable names in this story. Okay. You might, you, as soon as you hear them, you're like, we'll oh. see. Okay. So, my source for this story today is um, MUFON.com. MUFON. It's, um, it's, a, it's a ufology um, website. Or okay. actually, it's an organization. It's, oh. It's an organization that studies um, and researches UFOs. Um, and, you know, alien reports and stuff like that. And they do it to educate people as well about. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. It's really awesome. I actually, I think I signed up for that under newsletter. Oh. Look, <laughs> aliens. <laughs> and now I'm just imagining you in the place wearing the brown suit going, it's not aliens, <laughs> but it's aliens. <laughs> I, I just saw you. <laughs> we need to recreate that. And make that your picture There you go. TikTok. Yes, there you go. It's not aliens, but aliens. Make that your TikTok picture. Oh, my God. Your shirt now is brown. This is true. <laughs> so, anywho, this, this, like, if you need, if you want to look up any more about uh, MUFON, um, just check out their website, MUFON.com. And that's basically where I got the story from. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. September 19th, 1961. A local couple um, of... Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Um, Betty and Barney Hill. Okay. Have you heard of those people before? Yeah, I'm. I'm out of this one. No. Nope. You didn't even make. You didn't even laugh because their names are Betty and Barney. I did. Okay, I do get the Lucy reference. Is what? No, Frisos. Oh no, I got a. I thought of. Uh, oh, you're right. Barble rubble. Yeah, they were. I was rubbles. like, why was I thinking? I love Lucy. I don't know. It's Frank and... Frank, that's Frank. Frank and whatever her name is. Yeah, yeah, from I Love Lucy. But, um, anyway. Betty and Barney, uh, they're driving home from a vacation in Niagara Falls. Um, they're just south of Lancaster, uh, New Hampshire. I'm not sure if they pronounce it Lancaster or Lancaster. There's so many places named Lancaster in Pennsylvania, and I didn't know until recently. In Pennsylvania? Or in, no, in, or I just in, sent in, in jewelry to someone who lives in, like, Lancaster, South Carolina. Oh, you mean in the United States? In the yes. U.S. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? It's crazy. I like I saw Lancaster, and I was, oh, I was about to be excited. I was about to like message them on Facebook and be like, because I know the person, mm-hmm. and I was like, hey, we li-. oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm not sh- like people. Some people pronounce it Lancaster, but we up here, yeah, yeah, us Northerners Pens- say Lancaster. Yeah, it's Lancaster. Um, but anyway, Lan- Lancaster, New Hampshire, when um. Betty sees this bright point of light moving across the night sky. So it's about 1030 at night. Uh, the, scar- the stars are out. But this wasn't no shooting star moving around. This bright light, according to Betty, moved from the bottom of the like the moon 
and uh, I guess around where Jupiter is, um, to the west of the moon. So it moved like d- from down and went like up and around the moon, I guess. Um, now Betty knows this isn't a shooting star either, so she starts thinking it's a plane or like a, a satellite dish out there, because sometimes you know they do move around. You're just like, what the fuck is that moving? And it's like a blinking thing in you know night nice sky. And I'm like, oh, that's probably just a satellite. I see it a lot, but. Then I'm like, maybe it's not a satellite. Maybe it's a UFO. <laughs> so as the light got larger okay. and, and brighter, now she tells Barney like to pull over. She like to get a better look of you know what this thing is. This found this sounds eerily similar to the Mothman situation. <laughs> Just saying. So they pull over to the scenic area, and you know Betty whips out her binoculars. And she's got those on I, uh, on lock. I, yeah, huh? I got them on deck. Just I don't, in my purse, just binoculars, the, eh? The sixties, I guess. It was binoculars. Where was the binocular time? Was she a low key bird watcher, and she just wanted, didn't want to be honest? Probably. Because listen, the bird watcher community is very intense. <laughs> so she sees an odd shaped uh, craft flying around. It, was, it had multicolored lights, and she immediately thinks. It's one of them. It's one of them. Their UFOs. Her sister told her about. <laughs> it's one of them. Their UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, at the same time, Barney whips out his binoculars as well. That's so, right. So you know, he's... definitely bird watchers. This is a pair <laughs> of bird watchers for sure. And he's like, "No, nah, that's just a plane. It's going, you know, from somewhere from Vermont to this other place." But then, why is it turning towards us? It's like, Betty, let's kick rocks. And let's get out of here. Get it? Kick I like that term. <laughs> kick rocks. Betty, let's kick rocks. Like, there you, you know, go. Because Flintstones, they kick. Gotcha. <laughs> like when you run on gravel. I, feel, I got you. I got you, fam. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> so anyway. <laughs> they leave. As they, sh- that's this, uh, and these are the smartest white people ever. Oh, I didn't tell you. They're not. Oh, they're not? Um, Betty is white. Okay. Barney is black. Oh. So they're... Well, that makes sense. The black man's went, <laughs> was like, let's go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're interracial uh, married couple in the 60s. So that actually, when I saw pictures of them, I was but like, But also oh. in Massachusetts. No, New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Yeah. Sorry, a yeah. lot of stuff we can't. A lot of recent stuff happened in Massachusetts, so my brain's still there. Mm. <laughs> but no, New Hampshire. So maybe New Hampshire was, you know, a little nicer yeah, maybe in the sixties. Cool. It was cool. Um, so as they're driving along, um, they drive slowly, just so they can keep an eye on it, so it's not like getting ahead of them or trying to like cut them off or something like that. See, that it, sounds that's scary. It looks suspicious to them. So, you know, as they're driving along, they see it, like, go over a restaurant. It goes over a station tower. Um, <clears throat> Betty says it's at least 40 feet long. Did nobody else see this? I'm not. I'm not sure. <sighs> it's 10 o'clock. It's 10 o'clock. That's like, there is one, like, go, like, I guess, not ghosts, like, alien story I remember. It happened in New York. Mm. And, like, multiple people saw it in different places at different times. Yeah. But, like, still, I feel like in a massive city... More people should have seen it. But they're driving in the country right now. True, true. So this isn't, like they're driving around mountains and shit. Like, like yeah, that. that's where most like of the 
abductions and stuff happen, isn't it? Like, yeah. where there's, like, nobody? Basically. Um, so she says it's, like, 40 feet long, and it seems to be rotating. Um, it also seemed to be toying with them, like, it knew that they were watching it. So it would, like, bounce around the sky. I haven't seen this story, but I've heard other people make the same claims. Like, that the lights rotate. Yeah. So this little game would come to an end soon enough, though. Um, so the object descends towards their car, causing Barney to, like, break in the middle of the highway. Oh, no. Um, oh, no, Barney. Yeah, Barney is like, enough is enough. So he, like, grabs his pistol and he gets out of his car to go confront this this hovering. It's like, hover, right now, it's hovering in front of him. I pull out my gun. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, he got his pistol. He goes out and is like, it's just hovering. And, like, for some reason, he thinks to, like, you know, use his binoculars to see what the fuck is this thing with the bright lights and stuff shining at them. Um, and he sees that there are at least eight figures looking back at him from the... <laughs> From the no! object's windows. No! At least eight. It says like eight to twelve figures. Uh, so I, I just put like at least eight. Maybe a couple of them had extra eyes. Mm. Extra heads, maybe. You never know. So, all the creatures, minus one, they walk away from the windows. And then Barney starts getting this like message sent to his head. And it's telling him to like... Stay where you are and keep looking. You turn around and look away, right? Um, Turn away. So Barney, you know, smart man, he's like, fuck this. (laughs) And he runs back to his car. He's way smarter than the other alien guy we talked to. I know. And he tells Betty, like, they're going to capture us. So we got to book it. Like, we got to get the hell out of here. And so he tells her, like, to, to, you know, keep my eye out the window for this thing because apparently as soon as he runs back to his car the the object flies over the car as soon as he gets in and then disappears mm. so i don't know where it's at cloaking devices <laughs> so betty looks out the window for the object since you know it flew over like, like i just said and you know they saw nothing she saw nothing when she looked outside the window towards the sky not yeah. even the stars yeah see cloaking when it was a starry night so, yep, that's exactly what that was. Yeah, apparently the the object or the UFO had landed on top of their car, <clears throat> or was above their hovering above their car. <sighs> that's what I'm getting from this. This is uncomfortable. <laughs> so, the next thing that happens is, you know, Benny and Barney. They hear a beeping and buzzing sound and sounds just like rhythm, rhythmic, uh, beeping and buzzing noises just radiating throughout their car. So much that their car starts vibrating. And um, then they start to experience uh, what they call an altered, altered state of consciousness. So like they kind of like... Um, in and out? Yeah, in and out. They kind of blacked out. Okay. So... They blacked out, and then they came to after hearing another series of beeps and buzzing. It's really weird. Um, 
after they woke up, they realized they were like 35 miles more south than they were mm. before. And only had vague memories of how they may have gotten there. Like, mm. including a roadblock and a fiery orb in the middle of the road. Mm. Yeah, interesting, right? So, they drive home. You know, they're trying to piece together, you know... What happened? What happened. Try, and get, try to see, you know, the memories that add up and, you know... Okay. Blah, 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 blah. Um, they notice things are torn, like the binocular strap that Barney had. It was ripped. Um, Fuck your extendo eyes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else? His shoes, I guess they seemed more scraped up than they were before. He had dress shoes on, so... Uh, you, know, you can tell when there's more. Like, right, right, yeah. right. If they're dress shoes, they were polished and now they're dusty. Yep. Um, and Barney felt compelled to check his genitals out, but found nothing unusual. But he felt compelled. Now, I'm not I sure. mean, that's not that crazy. Yeah. You don't like. See, and I don't know if it's this this story or not, but there's another story about uh, UFOs. Uh, abductions where um some man got abducted I, it's not this i don't think it's this one but he got abducted and when he came to you know he you know checked out himself and then he found like this piece of hair just wrapped tightly around his penis and Creepy. yeah it was just terrible i was like i don't think it's this story but it's you know what i mean Sometimes aliens may be using us for uh, hybrid. No, projects. they're testing. Who is that too? I've never thought that they were making hybrids at all. No, they're just I mean, testing. True, true, true. That's such a random thought. Making hybrid. How does that doesn't? I don't know. With animals, you just splice the genes. You don't try and have sex with the animal. Speaking of hybrids, I'm going to go off the rails right now. Okay. Um, have you seen Sweet Tooth on Netflix? I have not watched it yet. Watch that show. It's actually pretty good. And I think it's like a DC-based show or something like that. Hmm. It's it's made by Warner Brothers, but um, it's about um, animal hybrids, animal-human hybrids that are born in the midst in the while this pandemic is going on oh interesting so yeah it's interesting you, you, you'll probably like it um i'm trying to figure out where the fuck i left off talking about different shit uh so yeah he found nothing unusual but he you know they both got showers to like get the nastiness off of maybe being abducted by aliens solid Mm-hmm. So later, they did draw pictures of uh, said object that they saw. Ooh. I, I may or may... Let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, where... Yeah, I got it. So, here. This is a picture of them. Betty and Marnie. Pretty normal. Yeah, yeah. Normal-looking couple. Um... And come on, load picture. <clears throat> okay, so this is a picture that, like, 
Barney Drew of the said thingy saw. Yeah. Ooh. So yeah, it's very long. It is very long. That's what she said. <laughs> um. So they both drew pictures separately of this, you know, this thing, and you know they came together, showed each other pictures. Hey, that's the same thing. Nice, yeah. smart. Mm-hmm. So Betty took a nap uh, the same day, um, and then she placed her clothes from the night before into her closet. Then you know that she noticed that she had some tears on hers as well. Right. Okay. And there was some type of pink dust on her dress as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I guess she said like she hung it out, and then like the dust just came off with the wind and she's like the dress was ruined but then so she drew it away of course she did but then she's like and eh, let me let me just think about that again so she brought it back in Ooh. and she hung it back in her closet okay <clears throat> yeah apparently people um researchers have done tests on her dress as well oh for this pink substance um oh that's super interesting i know right they also found like shiny little circle grooves i guess on the back of their car on the trunk how did not more how did more people not know about this then you, if they did tests and stuff on it i'm not sure and when they placed a compass like on this these circles mm-hmm. it like went crazy so these were like magnetized little mm. circles that were from this object that had landed on their car right so yeah <clears throat> so, 10 days after the incident, uh, Betty starts having dreams that last for about five days. Um, and I have the, the little, her little stories. Let me just, I don't know why my phone is dying so fast. So, memories, pretty much? Yeah, that's, um, that's basically what they might be. No. So, let's see. Let me read off this from I got from Buffon. Okay, so in November 1961, Betty began writing down the details of her dreams. In one dream, she and Barney encountered a roadblock and men who surrounded their car. She lost consciousness but struggled to regain it. She didn't realize that she was being forced by two small men to walk in a forest in the nighttime. And of seeing Barney walking behind her, Though, when she called to him, he seemed to be in a trance or sleepwalking. Mm. The man stood about five feet to five feet to uh, four inches. Five, wait, five, five to five, four inches um, tall. And they wore matching uniforms with caps similar to those worn by the military. Okay. So, these might be, like, uh, military aliens. Stuff like that. Maybe military cadets. Aliens. Um, let's see. They they appeared nearly human, but with bald heads, large wrap wrap around eyes, small ears, and almost no nose. Hmm. Their skin was grayish. It's really weird, huh? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just listened it. I know. Let's see what else. Uh, it says, in the dreams, Betty and Barney and the men walked up the ramp into a disc-shaped craft of metallic appearance. 
Once aside, Betty and Barney were separated. She fought back and was told by a man she called the leader that if she and Barney were examined together, it would take much longer to conduct the exams. She and Barney were then taken to separate rooms. Um, Betty then dreamt that a new man, similar to the others, entered to conduct her exam with the leader. And let's see, though the leader and examiner spoke to her in English, the examiner like command of language seemed imperfect so he was like just learning so think of like the men in black how they were just like remember i told you about them and how they would just talk like they didn't know how to talk but they knew the language Hmm. it's just yeah something like that um let's see there was the examiner man he cut off some of her hair oh um you know, he examined, you know, her eyes, ears, mouth, teeth, blah, 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 that good stuff. Um, her fingernails, he trimmed her fingernails for some reason. They do. I always say that they do that. They take a fingernail sample. Really? I've huh. seen, I've heard people say that too. Um, let's see. And I guess he tested her nervous system and he thrusted a needle into her navel. So, that's where the babies come out. Yeah. So maybe they were. I'm telling you, that's not where the babies come out. I'm just being an ass. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's the navel. That's where they're getting the stuff from. That who was at the belly button. That's just a bait. That's what kids say. Yeah. When they say it came out of your butt, it came out of your belly button. That's yeah, that's why they'd be probing back there. Because I think that's where the babies come oh, from. Because they hear kids saying it. Obviously, the kids say is right. The smaller of the species is is always the correct one. They know what is going on. It's funny. Um, what were you we watching the other day? A T Titans Go movie. T Titans go to the movies, right? At the end, freaking Robin, he goes, "Kids, ask your parents where babies come from." And of course, Jaden and Cassandra, they're like, "Where do babies come from?" And we're like, "Oh, you really want to know? Do you really want to know?" And they're like, yeah, yeah. And we started telling them. And they're like, never mind. You don't want to hear about this anymore. And I'm like, you wanted to know. Mm. But yeah. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, after they had their exams done, they got escorted back to their cars and, you know. <sighs> That was the end of that. So, I guess later on, you know, after she had reported this incident, um, they had set up a hypnotism type of thing for both her and uh, Barney. And while hypnotized, um, the, the, the guy conducting it, the doctor conducting it, um, he said that Betty's, you know, her hypnotized account was the same as her dream account okay. as well. And he said that Barney's wasn't, wasn't like he believed that it happened, hmm. but that he was like feeding off of Betty's dreams that she had told him. Right. So. Which is thoroughly plausible. Yeah, exactly. So maybe like he didn't believe it at first, but then, you know, under the suggestive 
power of hypnotism. Well, it's not even that. It's just without being hypnotized, suggestion is a very powerful tool. And um, it can, I mean, can lose entire cases if if police lead witnesses. This is true. So that's why, like, in, in eyewitness testimony, like, you can't lead the person at all. Yeah. Leading the witness as a thing. Um, so yeah, that's basically her account. Like they, they went off, there was a book written about this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, God, let me see if I can find the name of the book, but give me, give me, give me, give me, give me information. I'm sorry. I should have wrote this down. Um... It wasn't that one. It was a different I one. do that all the time, too. I know. Like, I'm sure there's a book right next to you that lists the age of, of Leonard Christopher. <laughs> and I didn't write it in the notes. I should have wrote it down. I wrote everybody else's freaking age down except the potential oh, okay. suspected killer. Okay. It's called The Interrupted Journey. Okay. So, yeah. I think it was written in 1966 as well. Oh, wow. It's probably so, out of print, then. Yeah. So, the psychiatrist reported that they like later on they suggested that maybe the abduction was a hallucination shared hallucinations do exist brought on by them being an interracial couple um in the early 1960s here's the problem this is the first time that anybody's ever explained people who look like that yeah where'd that come from I don't know. I think there are other books ahead of that. Like, you know, Roswell. I forget what year uh, Roswell's was, but it was before this one. So, maybe... Hmm. And, and like I said, her sister did mention things to her about yeah. aliens as well. <clears throat> so, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But that's what I got for, you know, that one. That's a nice... That was a nice little, you know, alien abduction story that you know, they're still talking about. So, yeah. There's your aliens. There is. The truth is out there, people. <laughs> Watch that clause. That was my favorite show. Oh, yeah. That's all I got for this week. Any, any, uh, anything you want to add? Well, add nothing to this, but apparently in the last week we got two new reviews. Oh, on Apple? Yeah. Oh, shit. And they're both positive. Oh, nice. Uh, one by uh, someone named Classy Lady and Three, um, who said that she showed up. We showed up in her suggested podcast. So apparently we're being suggested to people now, which is oh, frightening. I <laughs> uh, said, I've been in love ever since. Your voices are great. I could listen to the same episodes over and over if I had to. Keep up the great work, y'all. Then another one that says, I've started binge listening to a, f- a few days ago, and I'm absolutely obsessed. Keep up the good work. And that person's name is Taylor W. 1994. Nice. Yeah, so it was nice. I don't know any of those people, so they're definitely not my friends. Great. <laughs> they reviews for us. Well, I don't think I, I, I think the youngest person I know <laughs> is my sister who was born in like 1990. Oh. Like, no, no. Like, there's a couple people I work with who are younger, but. Mm-hmm. But that's awesome. Thank you guys for the reviews. Yeah, that is a nice, positive, positive thing. Yeah. But yeah, that's really it for all of us. Like usual, if you want to see me talk about random crime stuff, 
I'm always on the TikTok at least once a day. Yeah. I yeah. sporadically do live streams. You can't rely on me at all. <laughs> um, she needs a schedule. Brian does Twitch every Sunday. Every Sunday, 6 to six 10. 6 o'clock, 6 to 10. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. Yes. Uh, we just started exploring Hades. the roguelike world of Hades. Hades. That's, I love it. From Supergiant Games, which has made a couple of games that are really awesome, and mm. I like them, so I, I wasn't surprised that it is an enjoyable experience, yeah. even to watch. I'm thinking of adding another game to my repertoire. Repertoire? Repertoire? Yeah. I was actually going to ask you about, since I get off work so much earlier, if you'd be able to like stream a little bit during the week, or if there's no time for that. Oh, I probably can. You know what? I probably Like, can. if I got off at, like, three and get home by like three thirty. yeah i could probably do it for like a couple hours this game i was like would you have because i mean that might help your stream get bigger yeah so yeah i could probably add and also you could get practice at hades oh my god i got so far the last time the one time you got super far <laughs> yeah and then you couldn't get back and i couldn't get them because meg came and i uh, megara is <clears throat> yo if the first fury sister is that hard fam if anybody doesn't know me, doesn't know that uh, anybody who knows me knows that I like Greek mythology. So this that's is, a lot of oh yeah, there were loads of moments of us just stopping and talking look, about Greek mythology in the middle of the stream. <laughs> I uh, was just so like, if you want to hear us do podcast type stuff, but on a game and podcast ramble while Brian plays a game, definitely go to Foxy Trainer. Also, feel free to if you pop on the Discord. Uh, if you pop on TikTok, there's a link that links you to every single place where we are on the internet. Yep, yep. You can follow us on the Discord. It always sends out an invite where you, when we're uh, live streaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, we just love to see new people pop in the Discord. Um, I'm still selling all kinds of jewelry. <laughs> I still have loads of knives and guns and things if you'd like to buy those. Yes. Uh, Patreon is coming up soon. Right. I actually got word from our artists that we should receive the final stuff in the next 24 hours. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to have a new logo as well. We have a new logo. We're going to have probably some different t-shirts. It's going to be awesome. Uh, By by the time you guys hear this, we'll have it. (laughs) Right. That's true. Yeah. By the time you hear this, we'll have it. If you've listened all the way to the end, thank you so much. Just like I did with the other two people who left reviews. I, I, we absolutely will shout you out if you send us a message, if you leave us a voicemail. Um, my DMs are open on TikTok. Please fill them with something interesting, yeah. <laughs> not just links to random videos. I would love to know what you want to hear about. See if there's anybody new, uh, any new killers or things that interest you. Yeah, and if you have any scary stories you want, you know, read, please Ooh, send those. Yeah. I, I kind of want to do like a listener's... Um, episode yeah oh yeah and also like i said to anybody else who's still listening we want to do a like twitch day where we get to play game like a game like a jackbox game or garlic phone with you all or like among us. there are roughly 1400 people who listen weekly yeah a consistent basis of around 1400 people we want to play with you we want to laugh with you I think Gardic Phone has a mode where you can have like over 15 people all drawing simultaneously. So that would be pure chaos and we'd love to do that with you. Um, Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thanks guys. Appreciate it. And it's good to be back. (laughs) 